Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast and the class today is dedicated by Murad and Esther Shehebar in celebration of the birth of their baby boy. We should be zochet to celebrate many happy occasions here uh, in the synagogue and in the wider community. Uh, it is also dedicated loving memory of Mo Mala, Alava Shalom Nishmat Moshe Ben Jamile, sponsored by his son Jack Mala. As well, dedicated for the Refuah Shalomav Yosef Ben Rachel, sponsored by Jason Hurizadeh. And sponsored by Jack Zabidi, dedicated um, in honor of David and Vicky, Dr. David and Vicky Orfali. Thank you, Jack Zabidi. Rabotai, the, the Tefillah on Shabbat tells us a very interesting expression. It says uh, in the prayers on Shabbat, V'chatuv bahem shmirat Shabbat. What does it mean? It talks about the two luchot that you brought down, and it says in them the laws of remembering them. Excuse me. What in the world does that mean? In one of the luchot, it mentions Shabbat. So it should say, the Khatam Sofer answers a very interesting answer. He says that um, there's a very famous idea that the five uh, commandments on the right side, if you will, on the side of the mitzvot ben adam lechavero, or ben adam lemakom, between man and God, are parallels to the five on the other side. So each one represents a parallel idea in the world of the relationship between you and God, to the world, the relationship between you and your fellow man. Says the Khatam Sofer, therefore, the opposite or the parallel of Zachor at Yom HaShavat LeKadoshor is Lo Ed Shaker. You should not bear false witness against your friend. Because, as we know, that a person who doesn't keep Shabbat properly, it's as if <coughs> they're bearing false witness as to who it was that created the world. On Friday night, those, who, those of us who will come to shul on Friday night, we all know that you, uh, at the end of, after you say the, the, uh, the tefillah, the prayer, the silent prayer of the Amidah, so we stand up and we say, together as a community. We say it out loud. That vayichulu, we say it specifically standing. Why do we say it standing? And not only do we say it standing, we also don't say it alone. So if as an example, you finish your tefillah late, and everyone already said vayichulu, you don't say vayichulu. Why? Because standing and in two is the way a person gives testimony in a bad deen. So if you're a witness in a bad deen and you're reporting on something, you're giving testimony to the court, you're saying that you saw this and this person steal, you saw this and this person, uh, you know, uh, 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 in another place to where he said he was on that day, the, the laws of testimony require two people and standing. So therefore we say Vayichulu in that format. If that's the case, so when a person is uh, uh, celebrating Shabbat, they're bearing witness and testimony to the fact that God created the world. The lack, therefore, of this is almost as if you're falsely testifying against God. Uh, it took me a long time to wrap my head around what the Khatam Sofer is actually saying. That means that what we're trying to say is that on each side of the Luchot, 
is written Shmirat Shabbat. One in the mitzvah that says Zachor et Yom Shabbat Lekadisho, and the other where it says Lo Ta'ana Birachayit Shakir. I thought to myself, how in the world could that be relevant to Shmirat Shabbat? You want to tell me that they share similar concepts, fine. But how in the world are you calling HaKadosh Baruch Hu Re'acha? Don't say about your friend, don't bear about your friend false witness. Is God your friend? That you could say that that, uh, what's it called? That that commandment is also saying, as if that's also a commandment to keep Shabbat. Rabotai, the answer is something that I think is very powerful. Our rabbis tell us that when a person keeps Shabbat, they act in some ways as a partner with God in creation. Fascinating concept. They act as if they are, together with God, a partner in creation. Perhaps that's why it says, and according to the Khatam Sofer, that also communicates the idea of Shemirat Shabbat. In what way am I also helping God create by celebrating Shabbat? Rabotai, there's something that I think is very powerful about these words. And let's look at the words that we say uh, in the Aseret HaDibrot. Zachor et Yom HaShabbat, remember the day of Shabbat, Lekadesho. That's a strange expression. How come we don't say, Zachor et Avicha ve'et Imecha lechabedo? Right? Strange, right? Zachor et Chaverecha, remember your friend, you know, ve'lo tachmod. And don't, don't be jealous of him. What is this concept of remembering Shabbat Kadesho? It should say, Kadesh et Yom HaShabbat. It's almost as if the Pasuk is telling you that I couldn't just tell you to be Mekadesh Shabbat. First, I have to tell you to remember it. I mean, that's always the case, isn't it? Rabotai, I think herein lies... Um, I think maybe one of the secrets of truly understanding what it means to keep Shabbat. For most people, the concept of keeping Shabbat, people tell me, Rabbi, you don't know, my family, we keep Shabbat. We put on the TV with my elbow, and I use the elevator with my nose, and I do the thing, you know, but I keep Shabbat. What do you mean, in what way are you keeping Shabbat? So he'll tell me I don't drive in a car. That's also some level, every you know, thing a person does is something. But for him, that's called keeping Shabbat. Rabotai, I think most of us are obsessed. When we, when we talk about Shabbat, and we talk about keeping Shabbat, we talk about the specific things that we're not going to do in order to celebrate, in order to uh, um, uh, keep you know, the laws of Shabbat. But actually, if you look in the Aseret Debrot, the mitzvah is categorized as one of memory. It's almost as if the Kiddushah of Shabbat doesn't live in your hands. It lives in your mind. It lives in your brain. What does it mean to remember Shabbat, Zachor? The Gemara tells us that that word Zachor at Yom HaShabbat, <clears throat> it was said when we refer to the Debrot, Debrot, God said Zachor at Yom HaShabbat But we know from uh, when, we, when we say uh, um, um, Kabbalat Shabbat, 
When we say lecha dodi, we say zachor v'shamor bedi borechad shmeano elameyuchad. God let us hear the words zachor v'shamor. He heard. We heard both of them bedi borechad. Something that a human being can't do. If two people said in harmony, they said two words at the same time. One of them said zachor. One of them said shamor. That sound was what the Jewish people heard. They heard both words emanating from God at the same time. Again, only God could do that. But that those two words were mixed together. And that's illustrated to us. Where did the Rav Shlomo Alkabetz, who wrote uh, the Lechadudi, where did he see this concept? Where, do we, where did he see it? The Gemara mentions it, but where did he see it in the Torah? Because if you look in, uh, when the Torah mentions it, again, when it repeats the story of the telling of, of the Aseret brought in Devarim, so it doesn't say Zachor at, at Yom HaShemad HaKadosh It says Shamor. So one time it says Zachor, one time it says Shamor. Why? To illustrate to you that God said both of them. But Rabotai, this always bothered me. God never does a miracle, never, if He doesn't need to. So what is this, a, pa- a party trick? Zachor and Shamor at the same time. Hey! Like what would have happened if He would have said it afterwards? Zachor Vishamor. What would have changed if he would have said them independently, sequentially, instead of simultaneously, at the same time? How would that have made any different? I think, Rabbi that's exactly the point. Harambam, when he talks about Shabbat, he tries to communicate to us a very powerful idea. When he's talking about the idea of mekach memkar, of doing business on Shabbat, Let's say I could do a business deal on Shabbat that involves no melacha. I tell the guy standing next to me in shul, you know my house? Yeah. You want to buy it? The guy says, yes. Mutar, you'd think. What have I done wrong? I didn't write. I didn't dye anything. I didn't, uh, I didn't stamp anything you know, on the paper. What did I do? We just had a conversation. That's called mekach umemkar. Okay, we're making a business deal between us. We're doing business. That's not one of the 39 melachot, but the, the chachamim made it asur. Why? Rambam writes. Because if the whole point of giving you the 39 melachot was to stop you from dealing with the business world, to stop you from dealing with your farm and with your, with your writing and with your bookkeeping and with all these things in order that you should keep Shabbat, if we allowed you to do business, you know what would happen? The Jews would do all the milachah-related work during the week. Then Shabbat would come, and they would do all the business parts they would do on Shabbat. Says Rambam, then the whole point of the 39 melachot will be gone because you'll wind up spending your whole day doing business in Mecca Chumemkar. And therefore they made it asur in order to preserve the Shabbat. What Rambam is saying, what Ramban actually tells us as well, that the main part of Shabbat is not Shamor, it's Zachor. It's not the not doing, it's the doing. But we had to give you not doing in order that you should be able to do. So Rabotai, if you're busy doing all these things, you won't be able to pay attention. What we know time and time again in the Torah is that the Torah asks you, Rahmana libabai, the Torah wants your heart. It wants you invested. God said, I created the world in six days and on the seventh day I rested. And I want that day to remind you that I am the creator. 
If I give you these mitzvot and tell you to stop doing all these other things, then you'll have the chance to be able to reconnect. Rabotai, why when we go on vacation does it help our relationships? At least for most people. <laughs> why when you go on vacation? You can't, you can't chat with your wife in, in New York City. Right? Can't, you, can't, you can't have a conversation here. You can't go out. You have to go to, out for dinner in Miami. You can't go out for dinner in New York. What's the difference? Now, yes, that's the case. You can't go out for dinner in New York, and you can't go out for dinner in Miami. But in a normal case, what is the point of this? Why? The answer is the fact that you are not at work, the fact that you are not busy with your everyday, creates space for you to be able to concentrate, to think about, and to sanctify something. The Gemara says, what does zachor mean? Shamor means guarded, don't do work. What does zachor mean? Zachor means zuchreu alayayin. So that word means kiddush. And I always thought this is so amazing. So shamor means a million things. 39 melachot to be sure. But how many uh, melachot that are not av, that are tolda, that, that we learn from av melacha? How many halachot midrabanan? You know, how many, you look, there's books and books and books and books and books just on the minutia of all the things you're not allowed to do on Shabbat. So from the word shamor, we have all the, that includes all, you know, million, what's, what's zachor, which God said at the same time. That's kiddush, one thing. Fascinating. That one word could encompass so much. The other word encompasses one thing. And the answer is, Rabbi that that is true. But if you take a five-pound bag of sugar and you put it on one side of a scale and all of the million grains of sand that are in that bag weigh up to five pounds and then you take a little gold nugget this big, yeah? Or a, that's something, a lead. You put it on the other side, right? It's one thing. But the weight of that thing can actually balance out the scale. Every, kiddush is everything, Rabotai. The fact that you're raising your glass in a toast to Shabbat, saying before you begin your meal, cheers to this day. This special day that was set aside for the Jewish people by God to remind us of the fact that Borei Olam created the world and therefore we owe Him everything. That idea is all hidden in the concept of Zachoret Yom HaShabbat. So God had to tell us the same word. I know I'm going to give you a lot of things not to do in order that you should be able to focus on this. But don't get lost in all the knots and forget that the point of all of that was so that it would be counterbalanced with a zacho, with a kiddush, with a sanctification of the day. You know, there was a uh, businessman in Israel. His name, was, uh, his name is Lev Leviev. When he came to Israel, he bought, uh, I think, a mall, the canyon of Ramat Gan, for $750 million. At the time, he was someone who was, uh, uh, you know, Baal Teshuvah, he, he, decided, he, was, he decided he was going to keep Shabbat. So he comes, he tells the city that he's closing the, the mall, he's closing the mall on Shabbat. You know, he's a religious man. He doesn't work on Shabbat. He just bought the mall. He's closing the mall. The, the, um, 
the mayor of the town at the time told, what's it called? Told Lev Levayev. He says, I'm really sorry. He says, but since this area is not Yerushalayim, it's not Bnei Brak, there's not, in 500 meters, there's no religious Jewish people living. You can't close the mall on Shabbat, even if you bought it. You can't close it. Because by closing the mall in an area which isn't religious, that's religi- religious coercion. Leviev told the guy, he said, listen, it's my mall, I can do what I want. You know, you, you want to tell, you, I'll see you in court. The case goes all the way to the Bagats, which not to be confused with the Badats. <laughs> yeah? And the case goes to court, and Leviev doesn't turn up to the court case with an army of lawyers. He turns up alone. Um, the, the judge says to him, what do you have to say for yourself? And Leviev says to the court, he says, I want, I want to ask you to imagine something, Your Honor. I want to ask you to imagine that the President of the United States flew to, er, to the land of Israel. They closed all the streets. Um, they shut down the whole areas. Everyone's outside. There's parades. They're doing a whole big deal. Uh, the uh, Benjamin, you know, Netanyahu is coming to shake his hand, you know, uh, you know, etc., etc. Big deal. Anyway, he makes a, a detour off of one of the roads that he's on, and he knocks at your house on your door. You open the door. Who's there? The President of the United States. And he tells you, listen, um, I've been driving through. I didn't know where to, you know, where, which way, where I was. But I, I don't know. Something spoke to me about your house. I brought something special from the United States of America, one of the oldest treasures of our, com- of our country. It's been sitting in the vaults of, of America for all this time. And on behalf of the United States of America, I would like to give you this gift uh, and you could receive it as, as a representative of the Israeli people. Right, could you imagine? He says, he gave you the gift. Could you imagine? You take the gift, you look the president in the eye, and you say, listen, take your gift. Keep it. I don't need your gift. I don't want any presents. I don't need anything from America. I have a cousin who's coming. He's bringing me by the, the Nescafe. He's, you know, he's bringing me diapers and, and tuna fish. <laughs> you know, everyone from Israel... Everyone from America always thinks that they have to bring all this stuff back to Israel. I remember when I got married, so I packed a whole suitcase full of meat and full of everything, right, as if they don't have anything in Israel. Anyway, my mother's packing, you need this, you need this, you need this. Anyway, finally, there's one thing she goes, that's it. She goes, here, I'm drawing the line. You're not bringing these back with you. I said, why not? I, would, I love this, you know, uh, it was the soup nuts that you put in the soup, you know, the, right? She says, because they're made by Osem Shlomo. You don't have to. You don't need to bring awesome soup nuts from America to Israel. I said, you know, fair enough. <laughs> I always thought that, you know why they called the, you know why they called the brand in Israel awesome? Because that's exactly how an Israeli guy would say awesome. You know? <laughs> he goes, Zelotov, Zelotov. <laughs> anyway, no one told him how to spell it. Okay, fine. The Rabotai. So Leviev turns up on that day. He turns up on the day and he says, Never mind the President of the United States. Never mind America's <coughs> greatest treasure. You know, Borei Olam came to the Jewish people and he said, of all the people on earth, I'm giving you this one present that I have in my storehouse. It's the source of all of our blessing. 
In it, you'll find whatever you need. He says, you know, I came here from Russia where you don't have freedom of religion. I bought this. It's mine. I want to keep it closed. This is God's present to me, to the Jewish people. Why, why should I not be able to honor the fact that God, at least according to the way I believe, that God gave me this gift? They want to shop somewhere else? Let them shop somewhere else. There's other places to shop. But this is mine, and this is the gift of God, and I want to respect it. Rabbi they did not force him to close the mall. But the amazing thing about the story is that when they, uh, at the end of the year, they produced the balance sheets. It was the mall in uh, Globus, in the newspapers, it was the mall of Lev Levayev that was closed one-seventh more than all the other malls in, in Israel that were open that posted the greatest amount of revenue and profit. Kihi mikor haberacha. But Rabotai, in order to be able to stand up to that pressure, because a lot of people, they have these situations where they're faced with something and they say, you know what, I'll sell, the, you know, I'll sell part of the, the one-seventh of the profit to the Qataris. You know, I'll sell this, I'll make a heter, iska. There's two ways to deal with Shabbat. One way to deal with Shabbat is shamor. So keeping Shabbat. It's true. I did sell the seventh day to someone who's not Jewish. My non-Jewish partner, he makes all the profit from that day. It's legal. It's good. But that might be shamor, Rabotai. But is that zachor? Is that remembering the matana? Could you imagine? God comes past your store on Shabbat. He says, it's open. What happened? Oh, whatever. <laughs> I, I figured a workaround, God. I figured out that if I sell it to this guy, and I, you understand? I, I, it's important, and I'm not denigrating because there is a halachic basis and a validity to m many of these things that people are using in order to be able to... But never mind your business, this is true about all of Shabbat. Are we looking for ways to get around this thing? Or are we recognizing it for the present that it is? Are we sleeping through the whole of Shabbat? Or are we celebrating Shabbat? I remember someone came to my house for a Friday night dinner, and we have a dinner, for, you know, we have dinner. It's, you know, you start at whatever time you start, we have l'chaims, we're drinking, we're divrei Torah. It's, you know, it's a beautiful vibe. We were there for hours. The guy said, Rabbi, I'm never at the Shabbat table for more than 20 minutes. He says, I've never been sat here at the table, talked with my family. I said, what are you, what are you doing? What is it? How is a Shabbat meal different? Then the meals of the week then. You're not spending time talking, sharing what happened that week, sharing something that you're thankful for, sharing a beracha in your life, sharing something. How do you make that Shabbat meal different? The rabbis tell us that everything about Shabbat is supposed to be different. The taste of the food is supposed to be different. How do you achieve that? By creating a different setting. If you flew on a private jet from Sammy Sutton with Jet Set Airlines, you went to Paris, you went to a Parisian cafe, you sat and had a beautiful, delicious baguette with French cheese and French wine, and then you got back on a plane and you flew back. You feel like a million dollars. You remember that meal. What a crazy experience it was. You flew five hours. You had a, this magnificent meal on top of the Eiffel Tower. 
you know, with the right baguette and the right cheese and the fromage, and I don't even know, right? It was exactly the right level of moldy, right? The cheese, the brie, whatever it was. And you come back, you feel so cultured, you feel so... If you went and bought the same baguette in Whole Foods, and the same brie in Whole Foods, and the same wine in Whole Foods, and you came and you ate it, you sat, made a little table, and you did it in the subway station on the corner of 63rd and Lexington, it wouldn't taste the same. Because it is the experience that elevates the food. Rabotai, we have to push all of our don'ts into the do's of Shabbat to be able to sanctify it, to elevate it, to raise it above all the other days. Remembering Shabbat means that on Sunday, you're looking for something for Shabbat. And on Monday, you're looking for something for Shabbat. The Gemara tells us about Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel that all throughout the week, they were trumping the food that they had from the day before. They bought a cowboy steak and the next day they found, uh, you know, a Kobe steak. And the next day they found a Wagyu Kobe steak. And the next day they found a Wagyu Kobe Delmonico. Steak. They found the best, and every day they would swap out, right? It's, it's amazing to think that we say, Yom Yom Rishon, right? Today is the first day of Shabbat. We say in the Mizmor of the day. Each day is held in abeyance as the first day of Shabbat, the second day of Shabbat, the third day of Shabbat. They all exist to serve like the candles of the menorah, all facing the central pillar, which is this beautiful day of Shabbat. So Rabotai, if we want Shabbat to be the Mekor HaBeracha, the source of all Beracha, if that's what you want, and think about this for a minute, is there someone in this world that doesn't need Beracha in one way or another? Is there anyone that you know that, you know, you need Beracha? No, thank you, I ate. <laughs> I'm full, Rabbi, I'm up to here, I can't have anyone. I can't handle any more Beracha, Rabbi. Please, Dachila, give it to the next guy. If I have any more Beracha, I'm going to vomit. Nobody ever says that, right? So you have here the, uh, the keys to the vault of Beracha if you treat Shabbat the way it's supposed to be treated. But again, not, like God says, Zachor v'shamor bidibur echad. It has to be that those are bound up together. That it's not just all the things that you're not doing, but that you're using those to set the stage. You know, to, 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 to make the feeling, to, uh, to create a vibe at the Shabbat table. The joy, the happiness, the simcha, the kedushah, the singing songs of Shabbat. Those songs, Rabotai, are holy. The pizmonim are holy. The nigunim are holy. We should be feeling like the Leviim that sang outside of the Beit HaMikdash. That's how we should feel when we sing Shabbat songs at the Shabbat table. That's what you're doing, right? Now, unfortunately, it's, some, it's a little bit of a lost art, the, the art of Pismonim. We talk about it all the time, right? People don't remember all the different, but it doesn't matter if they're Sephardic songs, if they're Ashkenaz songs, please don't fire me. It doesn't matter if they're Hasidic songs, if it doesn't matter what you're singing. The point is that you're singing. Think of these words, Mizmor Shir Liyom Shabbat. Let us sing a song to the day of Shabbat. What is that? What is the song of Shabbat? Tov leodot la'donai uzameh shemcha elyon. 
The song of Shabbat is the song of thanks that each person helps their children, their wife, their husband, their guests. The song of thanks that we help everyone sing. What are we thankful for? What do we have? What can we celebrate? Instead of focusing on all that we don't have. Rabbi Tai, this, um, this world in a pandemic needs Shabbat more than ever before. And someone said to me, Rabbi, you know, my Shabbats, I'm not feeling them anymore. I said, why? He says, because in the pandemic, in quarantine, every day was Shabbat. Used to be the only day I was home was Shabbat. Now he says, every day is Shabbat. You know, I'm home every day. Right? He says, I don't understand how. I said, are you joking? I said, it's the opposite. If ever there was a time where we needed to understand the value of having something you're thankful for when you don't have, everyone is focusing on what we don't have right now. The freedom of movement, the vacations, the indoor dining, the, you know, the theater or the, or the football games. We're all focusing on what we don't have, or the health that we don't have. The nature of Shabbat is to flip the script for a person and to help them recognize what they do have. But if you don't remember to do that, if you don't go into Shabbat thinking, how do I change the way that we think, that we relate to this day, to our world, to our lives, to our families. You know, your wife is not perfect, but let me tell you a secret, neither are you. Your children are not perfect, but neither are anybody else's kids. There's never been someone who arranged an app called Child Swap, right? Where you find the neighbor whose kids you like, and you trade him, like I'll trade, I have five girls, I need a couple more boys. This one's anyway a little bit annoying, so why don't you have these two? I'll trade you these two and a first round draft pick for next year, <laughs> right? If you give me your Matthew Stafford, right? It doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, right? To be able to focus and to bring out with all the challenges, with all the negatives that we're seeing in, to be able to see that which is beautiful about your spouse, about your children. That's the power of Shabbat. That's the mizmor, the song of Shabbat. Tov lehodot l'adonai l'zamez shemcha Baruch Adonai le'olam. Amen ve'amen.